Our scripture passage this morning, we have a couple. I'm going to read from Matthew 6, 5 through 15, Pew Bible, page 1504, where Christ taught on the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer. And then we're also going to turn to Ephesians chapter 3 afterwards. Turn with me in God's holy word. Matthew 6, verse 5 through 15. Christ said these words. And when you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And turning now to Ephesians chapter 3. I'll tell you the page number as soon as I know it. Ephesians chapter 3, page 1,820, starting in verse 14. Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Also, this morning, this Thanksgiving Day service, we'll be looking at Lord's Day 47, which can be found in the back of your green Psalter hymnals on page 60. And we could read the answer together. What does the first request mean? Hallowed be thy name means. Help us to really know you. To bless, worship, and praise you for all your works. 
and for all that shines forth from them. Your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. And it means, help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. It's the teaching of the Catechism and the reading of God's Holy Word this morning. Over my uh, many years, maybe some of you would laugh at that, I have grown accustomed to people not saying my name right. And you know what? Because of God's sanctifying work in me, I have learned to overlook all the Garys, the Terrys, the Jerrys, not to mention the last name. I know it's not Dutch, so it's hard for some of you. I thought about, we thought about adding Gephardtsma or Van Gephardt. Forget about that. Gephardt. It really wasn't until we moved to this area that people started thinking the PH goes together. And I won't say what that <laughs> says. But you can see how some people can get very upset when you misuse their name. And uh, the late Reverend Sproul, R.C. Sproul, often had this same thing happen to him. People would call him Sproul. And he'd say, my name is not Sproul. It rhymes with soul. Sproul. And he said these words, I'm convinced that although we pray for the manifestation and the victory of the kingdom of God, it is futile to hope for the victory of God's kingdom on this planet until or unless the name of God is regarded as sacred. Because God's kingdom does not come to people who have no respect for him. Likewise, we pray that the will of God will be done in this world. But God's will is not done by people who do not regard him with reverence and with adoration. So the very beginning of godliness, the very beginning of transformation in our lives and in our society begins with our posture before the character of God. Our theme this morning is our love and gratitude leads to our prayer for the hallowing, the holying of God's name. It's going to be in two points. The first is to really know him. And the second is to really live for him. And I hope as we go through this, you will see why, although this may seem disconnected from the concept or idea of thanksgiving, it really is at the center of thanksgiving. It's really at the center of our gratitude. So let's look at point one, to truly know him. Uh, This is coming, of course, from the first part of answer 122, where the catechism says, Hallowed be thy name means, help us to really know you. Help us to really know you. You see, the first concern of the followers of Jesus is the glory of our Father's name. It is as if the Lord asked, what would you like best? What shall I give you first? 
What would give you the greatest joy and fill your heart with the utmost gratitude and thanksgiving? And to that, a Christian's answer should be, Lord, help us to really know you. Help us to bless, to worship, and praise you. Help us to direct all our living toward you. In other words, hallowed be your name. When we pray our prayers of thanksgiving, we glorify our heavenly Father, not because he does not have glory, unless he is thanked, and somehow we can give him more, but because we are recognizing the glory he already has. We are recognizing him as the one who has given us all these good things. And the same can be said when we ask that God's name be made holy. We don't mean by this that his holiness would grow or that he is not holy yet. Only we pray that his holiness would receive recognition. We pray that people would really know his name. God's honor is the beginning and the end, the goal of all creation and salvation. And although it may sound very simple, we cannot glorify God if we do not know him. Therefore, this first request is a petition. It's a petition to really know God. It is not a recognition of God's holiness, but it is a petition that God's holiness would be made known would be renowned. What was the reason Paul prayed before the Father for the church in Ephesus? You see there in Ephesians verse 3 and verse 14, for this reason. Well, if you look at chapter 3, Paul begins to tell the church in Ephesus about the fact that he was called to be a preacher to the Gentiles. The God in time had revealed the mystery of the gospel to him and that he was called of God to go and to proclaim the good news that salvation has come through the Messiah. And because of this, he had endured suffering. But that mystery of the gospel, that mystery of the gospel is the reason Paul prayed before the Father, kneeled before him, that through faith in Christ, Paul says, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. He wanted the Christians in Ephesus to really know God, to experience God, to experience the love of Christ through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit by faith. Paul prayed that the Ephesians would really know God to actually be filled, he said, to all the measure of the fullness of God. Can you think of that? A lot of you are going to go from here and stuff your faces with a bunch of turkey. And Thanksgiving Day is about eating so much that you're not done until you hate yourself, right? Right? But Paul wants the Christians in Ephesus and he wants us to be filled to the fullness of the full measure of God through our knowledge of 
salvation in Jesus Christ. He was praying that the church in Ephesus would hallow the Father's name through the revelation of the mystery of the gospel. He was praying that the church in Ephesus would come to know God by the only way we can know God, through faith in Jesus Christ. Redemption is the pinnacle. Redemption is the climax. It is the turnkey, the turning point of God's work, and through it we come to know him truly. When Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, it is then and only then that we can begin to bless and to worship and to praise God and to give him thanks for all that he's given us. It is in the person and the work of Christ that God's almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth shine forth with clarity. It is in the recognition of God's covenant faithfulness to us, his people, that our hearts begin to burst, to overflow with thankfulness and gratitude for what God has done for us, in us, and through us. So we say to the Father, help us to really know you, Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our perfect mediator. Help us to bless, worship, and praise you, Father, for our redemption by the blood of our Savior and praise you for the work of salvation. Help us, Father, to see your almighty power on display in the resurrection of Christ. Help us to know Christ as the power of God and the wisdom of God. Help us to see your patience with us in our sin as kindness falling down from our Messiah's side. Help us to see that through Christ, Father, you have become both the just and the justifier of those who have faith. Help us to see that it is at the cross where justice and mercy kissed. And help us to see your truth in the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Hallow the name of God is to ask God to help us know him in the person and work of Jesus Christ. But what about to really live for him? Of course, the second part of answer 122 says, and it means help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do. The catechism doesn't leave us at only knowing the Father, but tells us that the knowledge of the Father through Jesus Christ should lead us to live for him. And Paul, of course, believed the same thing. His prayer for the church in Ephesus did not end with a simple desire for them to know God the Father through Jesus Christ by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But Paul says there is a response to that knowledge. And of course, if you look at the beginning of chapter 4, Paul says, as a prisoner of the Lord then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You see, it has pleased God to choose a people to be his own. But in choosing a people to be his own, he attaches his name to them. In the Old Testament, this expressed itself clearly in the people of Israel. God's reputation was rooted in his people, Israel. His glory was connected with the glory of Israel. 
The behavior of his people then could either bring him glory or dishonor. Could bring him praise or blasphemy. In the New Testament, his people came to be known as Christians. That is, little Christ's. Christ has identified himself with his people in his death and resurrection. And because of that, the universal Catholic Church also bears the name of the Father. And Christians, just like Israel, can give God a good name or a bad name in the world. The Catechism teaches us that when we pray for God's name to be hallowed, we are not only asking His help in knowing Him, but we're asking Him to organize our lives, including our thoughts and our words, in such a way that it reflects the gratitude and thankfulness we have for our salvation. We're called to have one all-encompassing goal that influences the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act, that our lives would adorn the gospel Bring glory to the Father and honor the name of Christ, our only comfort in life and death, our faithful Savior. When the Catechism told us why it wanted the Ten Commandments preached earlier, it said in part, quote, so that while praying to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit, we may never stop striving to be renewed more and more after God's image until after this life we reach our goal. Perfection. Of course, we must also remember that we are told that prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us, largely because it is through prayer that God conforms us to the image of Christ. It is a means by which He grants us His grace. It is a means by which He grants us to be Rooted and established in love, as Paul says, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God in Christ Jesus. So in praying, hallowed be thy name, we're not only asking God to help us really know him, but we are asking God to grant us his grace that we might really live a life worthy of the calling we have received. To know Him. To live for Him. These are the two things that are the fountain of all our thankfulness. Thanksgiving, who do we give thanks to? We give thanks to the God who has made Himself known to us in Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving, who do we give thanks to? To the God who has redeemed us. And because He has redeemed us, we are now free from the bondage of sin and able to live lives of godliness without fear of condemnation for Him. How do our lives express that we know God and have been saved by Jesus Christ? Our lives express that when we're thankful on more days than Thanksgiving. Our lives express that. 
when in difficulties and hardships, we know that we have already been given all of the blessings and seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. We express that when we have little or much. We know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because to live is Christ and to die is gain. We express gratitude and thankfulness to our Father in heaven when we hallow his name. When we ask him to help us know him and live for him so that all creation would see God as high and lifted up. Amen. Will you pray with me? Help us, Father, to direct all of our lives, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, so that your name may only be lifted higher and higher and honored and praised by all people. Help us, God, to express our gratitude and thankfulness to you in upright and holy living. Help us, God, to look to the cross and see the death of our sin there, that we may put to death the deeds of the flesh. Help us, Father, to take hold of our old ratty clothes of death and toss them away and dress ourselves once again in the robe of Christ's righteousness. Help us to look to our baptism. And remember there is where our sins were washed away. Help us to look to the supper of the Lamb where we eat and drink the body and blood of our precious Savior. Help us to look to the resurrection and see in it the resurrection life which we already now possess that we might walk in new obedience. Help us to know that in the death of Jesus Christ, And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you have written the law upon our hearts that we may desire to walk in your statutes. And all this, may you fill our hearts with the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That we may open our mouths in praise and thanksgiving all the days of our life. That in really knowing you, Father, and really living for you, Father, we might see your name be hallowed in all the earth. And all God's people said, Amen. You please.